Next Chapter Podcasts. Hi, and welcome back to How I Got Greenlit. This is our roundtable roundup. Uh, this is our second roundtable. Roundtable roundup. Roundtable roundup. The people have spoken and they like the roundtable roundups, so we'll do more. Uh, this time we have. It's a huge success, Alex. Well, it's blazing it's a dance success. sensation that's sweeping the nation. Oh, that's a good one. It's uh, it's topical. We've been trying to do more evergreen stuff in terms of the interviews and sort of people's life stories and inspirational, informational, but this is definitely informational. We're talking about the writer's strike again. It's what's on everybody's lips. Joining us this week is Chap Taylor, writer on The Blacklist, the writer of the feature film Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck and Sam Jackson. He was one of our guests in season one, and we talked about his life story and his writing journey. It's a great episode, by the way. Yeah, one of my favorite. Great, great stories. And he's got uh, a lot to say about the perspective of the, the working writers, what the feelings are. We talk a lot about what's the scuttlebutt. Ryan uh, talks about what the crews are thinking and feeling. Evan is trying to get sort of at the heart of what the bigger sort of business strategies might be with the other guilds and unions if they're going to fall in line. Studios and streamers. I don't, once again, Ryan, you tell me, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to end soon. Well, there's a, you have to listen to the episode because there was some breaking information, but it's all rumor and conjecture so but i i will say this a couple things one if you haven't listened to chap taylor's episode you should listen to that go back into the archives devin ostrowski joins us as we were talking about the curmudgeon himself uh the show curmudgeon he's kind of like our our mascot he did a we, we had a great episode with him last season check that out so if we're the burton ernie he's the oscar he's the oscar. on his can yeah, that's right and he says what do you want and we're like tell us what's going on and then he's happy to hear his own opinion just stream out of his mouth. <laughs> streaming. He is a streaming service. And then if you haven't yet, please uh, listen to Roundtable episode one, which is pre-Writer uh, Strike. And this is post. We're going to do more of these. So I think it's just really great pertinent information. And I've been doing my wind spritz and my squat thrusts, and I will be hitting the line, picking up a sign against my oppressors this week try to get try to get near a pizza truck that's delivered by one of the stars or find Pete <laughs> yes Dave, i want to be i want to be near the imagine dragons impromptu look, concert or look, here, uh, the here, pete davidson free pizza stop. i just want to say this i want to say this the it's been a while since the uaw went on strike but <laughs> it's rare that during a uaw strike that you would see fran drescher out handing out tacos at the uh, Detroit <laughs> Detroit plating plant at the Fisher body plant handing out uh, crullers I mean we're dealing with real we're dealing with real life and death struggle as of of people trying to live their lives uh, I and mean make that, way. maybe that's a bit hyperbole but we are storytellers so we're gonna puff ourselves up a little bit I, I'm sure there's a lot of people working at three jobs with no unions and saying well fuck these guys 
whether or not it lasts another day or not, um, it's a it's a change moment in the business because it's a change moment in the culture. If it doesn't last another day and it lasts six more months, yeah, you're going to see um, it's going to be quite debilitating, not only on the actual writers, everyone who works on something that's been written, which is all of the scripted TV and film, and then the supporting industries that could be the Starbucks where the, you know, 500,000 LA based, you know, uh, production workers get their Starbucks. It could be the real estate market in the West side of, you know, LA. It could be the Atlanta, you know, strip club industry. I mean, all these production centers are going to start feeling it kind of like a ripple effect. You know, I mean, I think that's not, it's not for nothing that, President Biden actually like was quoted as saying like I, I, I stand with the writers and I hope they get what they want, you know. Yeah, and I think in this episode you'll hear you know Chap saying that this is a fundamental moment, and I agree with him. I I don't think that the rank and file of a lot of the unions that aren't the quote upper echelon creative unions, and I'm talking about at, you know SAG, WGA, and DGA. I think the IATSE folks the people who really do work every day on different projects and can jump from project to project on a daily basis. Those are the people who will, that this will uh, be on the backs of, I believe. All right. Well, without further ado, this is round table number two. Chap Taylor, Evan Ostrowski. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are How I Got Greenlit. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome back to How I Got Greenlit. We're here at our second roundtable to discuss uh, topics of the day for all of the business of show. Uh, today, our guest, well, our, my co-host is Ryan Gibson. Hi, everybody. Hi. And our guests are Evan Ostrowski, returning champion, producer, curmudgeon, extraordinaire, and our newest member of the roundtable, alumni to the How I Got Greenlit uh, podcast, Chap Taylor, writer-producer. Welcome. Hi, Chap. Hi, guys. So thanks all for joining us. Uh, life during wartime, we are in a strike. Last time we did the roundtable, it was two days before a potential strike, and now we are in a strike. So without further ado, your thoughts, guys. How does it feel? Yeah, let's start with Chap first of all. Chap, what's tell us about life out on the on the picket lines, man? Uh, I live in New York, so I've not yet been on the picket lines. I'm going in next week. I'm going to do some uh, some five a.m. dawn patrol shifts to shut down some production. Hopefully, um, what's what's the word in the street? <laughs> uh, the word on Discord. The word on uh, Facebook. Um, my two cents is this: there. Are, Whatever uh, differences and and uh, objections that people may have had within the guild prior to the strike happening, and there were people, myself among them, who don't always love everything the guild leadership does or how they conduct themselves. All that stuff went away. Um, I think that everyone recognizes that you know we're writers and writers tend to hyperbole, but this really is an existential moment. And not just for writers. I think one of the reasons that the Writers Guild has atypically seen so much support uh, from the Teamsters, from SAG, from the DGA, at least figuratively, from IATSE, is everyone in this business recognizes 
one that we're dealing with companies that would like to eliminate all of us that we've learned from just the macro behavior of corporations and specifically the behavior of corporations in the entertainment space over the last 10 years that they really do sincerely do not give a fuck about human beings and that the model is, you know, David Zaslav gets all the money and everyone else starves to death. And uh, we're not okay with that. Neither are the Teamsters or anybody else. So although the issues of this particular strike are specific to the Writers Guild, I think that there's just a, an atmosphere, there's just a feeling in the air, an, an, an understanding that this is existential for everybody. And whether you kind of die on the hill of AI or of the size of writers' rooms, and I'm not necessarily the best equipped to speak to each of the issues that are outstanding. It is disturbing to me that the studios have essentially refused to engage on most of them. That, you know, in 2007, they came in basically asking for enormous rollbacks uh, because they wanted to provoke a strike is the general feeling. This time, they just don't seem to fucking care. Um, they seem, this is just my personal opinion, but it's, other than Netflix, which seems, is depicted as being very aggressive and maybe Warner's, the attitude just seems to be, this is what we're doing. You can do it with us or, or you can do it with us, you know, after the strike. And, um, and we'll see. But at this moment, the guild is unified, is determined. Uh, people are on the lines. People are, and, and the support that they're getting in terms of, you know, um, rock bands playing at Netflix. Imagine Dragons. Yeah, exactly. Imagine so, Dragons. As somebody pointed out, if 21 Pilots plays, you know, the strike will be over by Monday. But um, <laughs> the point, you know, Snoop Dogg. I thought, that was, I thought it was Nickelback. That's but, okay. an old Gitmo uh, trick, right? You know, Snoop Dogg being interviewed about streaming and, and name dropping the Writers Guild, is, you know, people recognize that the system is unfair, that it has dramatically changed over the last, let's say, 10 years. And that if something isn't done now, that's the way it's going to be, and it will only get worse. Now stop talking. Well, thank God you stopped talking, Chuck. Right? Shut that fucking guy up. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Thank you for that. I, I, I also appreciate the baby crying. deep background. Yeah, the, like, sets the, t- sets the tone. Baby. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for a smash cut to ten years after the writer strike, and there's just a baby in like yeah. rubble, like yeah. Yeah. you know, with a pen. Yeah. That's the sound of a hungry, hungry writer's child crying. I mean, Chap, Chap, I, 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 I'm going to take some umbrage with some of the things you said because I, I, I don't agree with with some of the the more hyperbolic um, discord, you know, in the sense that that the studios don't want to make a deal they're you know, they want to phase out. Right. I just like, like I, I, I don't buy any of that at all. Um, during a strike, it's, 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 it's intense negotiations. It's a chess match and everybody's using all of their, all of their pieces to get the best deal for themselves. And, and it's early in a strike. So everybody could front like, like they like we're gonna last twenty years, you know, whatever, right? That that's not a thing, um, you know. You know, uh, when the uh, directors guild contract comes up, which is coming up, I believe, in July, and then you know um, the other contracts start to come up, like it's going to be really, really impossible for the studios to hold out. So I think in this kind of intro period, let's call it in Act One, which where I think we're in, everybody's. The writers are pissed. 
They say stuff like David Zaslav, who Zaslav gets paid too much money. Does he? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know that guy. Okay, um, but but the, I'll interview for one second. Like Bob Backsheesh at Paramount got paid fifty million dollars while his stock dumped one third. If you're going to hey, pay, hey, hey, it's hey, indefensible. But but but, but, to, but to check you, chap, that's not on the Writers Guild negotiating docket. It is. So it is what the studio says. We cannot afford to pay you because we're cutting back. Well, but at the same time, we're going to pay this guy nine figures for dumping one third of the value of the company. Then it's not an honest answer. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the larger economy. I think. I think you're you're both right. You're both right that it's not a deal point to be negotiated in this particular strike. But what this is calling to, I think, a larger cohort is we've got real problems in our world, not just in our entertainment industry. This little, you know, tempest in a teapot. Like there is a prevailing. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. I'm on your company board. You're on my company board. You know, imagine if the four of us were on a board and some third party asked me, this Ryan Gibson, should he be the CEO of my new entertainment studio? What do you think he's worth? What am I going to say? No, don't hire him. I'm going to say, yeah, he's worth $20 million. That's what really goes on. Okay. If we don't like that, then that's, that's a larger question that we need to ask between our, I don't know, armaments manufacturers and our fucking revolutionary pitchfork manufacturers. But what we're, you know, I don't know that we can fix that chap. I'm just saying like, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but uh, it's it's a larger issue. I would say to Evan, even though it's not on the docket to be negotiated, I mean, Wendy's is hiring AI chatbots tomorrow to take over their drive through business. So whatever it is, it is happening. And it's not just with us. Well, I, 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 all right. So so I will say that Wendy chatbots are not going to be able to uh, deep fry whatever the hell Wendy's makes. Um, uh, secondly, um, you know, CEO compensation has been whack for years. And you know what? I, I like there, I would say vote, you know, vote with your, uh, with your wallets as opposed to, uh, on the, on the pick, pick a line to with the WGA, like to, to get to the, the dead centered core of it, you know, the, the journey to the center of the earth, in my opinion, and it's not even an opinion, it's what's the damn formula. Hey, studios. You need to come up with a formula that is a residual-esque formula that the writers can respond to. The chap is very correct when he's saying that they are not even engaging on that subject because the form, I'm sure the writers have got a thousand formulas, but the studios are the ones that are going to have to write the checks off those formulas. So what's the formula? Is it downloads? Is it subscriptions? Is it subscriptions times downloads minus how bad, you know, this show? Like all those things add up to a dollar amount, right? That, chap, correct me if I'm wrong, that is a numero uno problema that everybody wants solved because everything else seems, in my opinion, not as important. But if we can crack that, then the, uh, all the other chips will hopefully fall into place. Yeah. What yeah, do you think? I, I got to be honest. I That would have been my answer 60 days ago, that, yeah, figure out residuals. It really, rightly or wrongly, is within the guild. And again, I'm not in the, um, you know, guild stand Twitterati core that appoints itself, you know, the hall monitor of social media on behalf of the guild. I, I've, you know, I 
I vehemently opposed the ATA action. I thought it was the wrong fight with the wrong people at the wrong time that accomplished nothing. I'm not a fan. But sometimes even people you disagree with are right. Well, slow down, slow down a sec, just for the, for the listeners to, to define ATA. The, the, previous, the previous disaster was the Writers Guild of America East and West required their members to terminate relationships with agencies uh, because of, the, of what's called packaging. In other words, the simple version is big talent agencies were taking a percentage of budgets of, pack, of, of shows that they helped put together and then the clients that they assembled in these packages didn't have to pay commissions. And there was a faction within the Writers Guild that came to believe that that was, that that was one of the fundamental problems in the business was, the, was packaging. And so, well, wait a second. You're waxing over the key point, which is in certain cases, it was calculated that the agencies were making more than their clients. They sold it to the clients. In a very small handful of cases, yeah. It was something that affected perhaps 2% of the, of the guild, maybe less. Maybe 50 different showrunners were actually impacted by it. In my point of view, everyone else benefited from it because it made writers. I don't want to get into a whole ATA thing. No, but I think it's germane because usually in these strikes, agencies have a sort of back channel role. And I think they're just like, yeah, fuck these guys this time. Right. They got screwed. I can't speak to that. Their their public statements have been very supportive. It's clear that they have begun or are in the process of building a business model that doesn't rely on WGA members. I yeah, I I would tell you, I I think it's a I I think it's pie in the sky if. If anyone believes that that content creation will continue at the level that it needs to um, without the WGA, the WGA is a necessary uh, an essential part of the entire entertainment industry, and this issue needs to be solved. I, I agree with you, but but here's like, what, here's where here's well, Evan three Evan three weeks ago, you said the whole residual system was a vestigial limb from the WPA days. Now you're forum. I'm, I'm sorry. I think I I think I might have called it uh, like social welfare for those who that, can't get a job. You did so you well. Did. So 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 to be clear, what what I'm referring to is that the majority of WGA members, um, the, I, when they first joined the WGA, never get a second job. I think it's like eighty six percent. Right. So with regards to that issue, which which to to harken back to what Chap was talking about, the WGA, you know, Twitter, 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 or whatever you call them, they don't give a fart about like second time writers, third time writers, because like they're, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. I don't want to assume because if it, I would think that that's like an even more important or not in a more important, but it's a very important issue that the WGA needs to solve as to why the drop off is so steep. This is listen. Let me let me if I may let me let, let me just cut back to what to the original question you asked, which or that I was answering, which is this: the it's not just residuals. Sixty days ago, I would have said it was residuals. The Directors Guild appears to be more closely focused on residuals. For the Writers Guild, it is now not just. The stereotype of past strikes is people who don't work, whether they're on the end of their career or the beginning of their career, are the people who are most likely to vote for a strike because they have nothing to lose. I would have said that was true up until recently. The simple fact is that all up and down the chain from people who are, you know, all but the 0.01% of the Writers Guild, people perceive, correctly or not, that this is a last stand, that 
the, everyone under, understands the number of writers is going to contract because of the burst of streaming. It, it artificially inflated from 2015 or whatever. It's going to go back down. But many writers, including people like myself or other people who who work fairly regularly, who have a career, who have who are invested and who will lose in a strike, believe that if we don't change the way the companies do business now, that there will not be a career as a writer moving forward. That it will be a gig economy where you where you might sporadically work, except for the very top guys and girls. And that AI will be used to supplement it in whatever loophole they can fit through. And putting aside AI, just that the formula will be one creator writes a show and maybe they hire a couple of guys to help them and some AI documents. And that's going to be it. And, on, and what that results in is it results in fewer writers, which means the pension and health fund doesn't get funded. And it breaks the union. If there is not a, a pipeline of writers coming up that work regularly and pay dues and this doesn't remain a largely middle class, sporadic middle class uh, uh, employment, then we're done. And that is the perception, rightly or wrongly, I'm telling you, among both writers. But that, but, but I would say since 07, we've been in a slow decline to the middle class being cored out of the whole business, both on the development side and in the writer's creative side. And now we are left already with a billionaire's or barista solution. So as far as Evan's point, I agree that those statistics are, are chilling, but I think it's what you said, chap. It, it, the, the organization itself is incentivized to get new members to pay dues. How they pay those dues is that is their problem. Now they try to advocate on our behalf as writers, but this, I mean, can you explain to me an $800 million deal for one writer that runs 20 shows? Isn't that already some form of AI? I, mean, I can't speak to the economics of capitalism, but I, and I, and Evan is right about, Evan is absolutely right that it is a brutally competitive business. And there are all kinds of people on social media or on the picket lines who seem to come have come to believe that somehow the strike is going to simultaneously get them a second job, turn them from staff writers into co-producers, make the industry more diverse. At the same time, it's going to save the middle mid-level white guys who are suffering. It's going to solve everyone's problems, and we all know that that's not true. But what it will, what, I can only tell you what the perception is, and it appears to be because I have you know, my ear in a camp of people who are very passionately, traditionally supported leadership. And frankly, a lot of the people I know do not. And everybody kind of, whether they agree with the specific strategy, whether they agree with fighting over the size of rooms, everyone kind of has an opinion on what's the, what's the smart move. No one I have met, no writer that I have met, no member of the Writers Guild of whom I am aware disputes the fact that we fight now. They just don't. They may think we're they may think we're going to lose. They may think we're going to win. They may think the DGA will screw us. They may think SAG will go on strike and that'll be the end of it. They may think we'll get some marginal increase in residuals. They may have many different points of view, but the one point of view I have not heard from anyone, and maybe there's guys I don't know, but speaking from my personal experience, no one doesn't agree that this is the Alamo. We know how that turned out. That hopefully doesn't end the same way. <laughs> Alamo reboot with a special yeah. <laughs> post-credit sequence. Yeah. 
so so chap do you so uh, do you uh, you know one of the things you were saying is that um you know these the writers room the writers rooms that were classically staffed and and um you know supported a, let's call it the middle class of um the wga members you mentioned ai quite a bit there are uh, what i've heard and what i've read is that there's a division within you know the wga or or the beliefs that some people believe that ai is an issue some people believe it's not an issue i was listening to a ucla professor yesterday uh saying in an interview that the ai skill set just isn't there to develop real human stories do you feel that there's a division in the wga membership that believes AI should really be taken seriously or where do they stand on that? Cause I've heard different takes where people, a third don't believe it. A third do believe it. I'll, I'll answer briefly. Then I'd actually like to go back to Evan because he knows more about the business than I do. But, um, I, I, everyone thinks that AI is a problem. Some people believe there's a handful of people that I, this is my personal observation. There's a handful of people who don't believe that AI will ever be able to do it. More people believe that it will, but fundamentally, whether or not AI is any good at it is irrelevant. All that matters is that the studios think it's good enough. That's all. <laughs> and that it's cheaper. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter whether it can do what Patty Chayesky could do or Aaron Sorkin can do or, you know, Lena <laughs> Waits can do. It doesn't matter. It just matters that they think that it can. And and by the way, no offense to anyone who's actually written one of these, but if you look at the fourth sequel of some animated fucking Disney movie, like it does feel like either it was written by committee or a computer anyway. So I agree with Chap. It's not going to be the Oscar-winning dramas that are in the AI business. It's going to be these sort of already happy meal, uh, corporate, you know, eventized bullshit thing super mario 4 it can just write a shitty first draft and then they can tell you to fix it you know yeah it's just just enough for mcdonald's to approve the happy meal design i mean that's it gets a lot of stuff done in fact i would argue that uh, i have friends who have used it quite effectively because if you give it parameters i haven't done this myself but i've read stuff that it's done and um if you give it certain parameters of a story it actually does generate pretty interesting stuff and so i i i Look, you gave me the answer that I was looking for, which is it doesn't matter. Look, 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 look the, I, the 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 AI issue is is what I would call it's too soon to tell. Um, so trying to legislate that now in this strike could be um, problematic because you could you could you know negotiate yourself into a corner that you don't want to be in. You know, banning it outright. I I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like the right solution. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think that AI, you know, AI needs, it still needs a person to, to drive it, to get any sort of results. Um, it, it feels for me like it's a kick to can issue. Um, but it's a kick to can issue that we have to take dead seriously and put it put a if it was me in those rooms, I would say, hey, we got to put a one year moratorium on this. We should put together like ten smart people from the producer side and ten smart people from the writer side to come up with some recos and agree that we need to get back in a room and see how this thing evolves because it's literally brand new. Well, it's and I just want to say this: I don't think any of us should speculate what it can do or what it can't do. I think it's I think I I just I think we we know it's a an issue. Um, 
but we don't know how big and we don't know how, uh, uh, how to make it better or, or, or uh, for, for everybody. That's my opinion there. Well, I, if anybody remembers 07, uh, you know, streamers were in that uh, negotiation. You know, the, they saw them coming. Now, I remember thinking back then, like, geez, guys, this isn't going to be an issue for like 10 plus years. And we were both right. They were right to be talking about it then, even though it seemed so far over the horizon. And now here we are. And it's absolutely dominating the business. So I would say if that was, you know, what, 16 years ago, uh, in 16 years, there will be, you know, an AI president by that point. So it's absolutely going to be an issue. It's not the top issue. It's not the top issue. I agree with you. Look, we don't know what we don't know. Um, it's good that we're talking about it, but it shouldn't dominate the conversation. There are, you know, to come back to Chap's point, there are, I think, I think, secondarily below the residual, let's call it the residual uh, algorithm, which needs to be solved. This, the, I believe, the second most important thing is 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 the is the the writers' room issue. You know, the business has fundamentally changed. You know, ten years ago, everybody loved Raymond. Had what twenty writers, probably. Um, I mean, you know, chap, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like when you, when you were, when you were staffed, you know, how many writers were on, were on blacklist when you were staffed? I mean, like 15 or 20, I mean, 12 to 14, yeah, certainly 12 to 14 on a really large, like super popular network show. So now, so now we jump forward 10 years and let's, let's look at the white Lotus. Well, Mike White's writing all those. He's directing most of them, you know, it's like. It's it, the uh, the auteur economy is is here, so how do like like I'd be really curious about what the WGA wants to do about that because they're going to turn to Mike White and say, "Hey, tough guy." Well, he's not really tough, but that's why that that, that joke works. But it's like, "Hey, skinny, scrawny little white dude, like what are you going to do about White Lotus season three? Are you going to hire twenty people? Well, that right. doesn't are make you, any are sense. You can, are you are you obliged to hire a room full of people that don't? Yeah, do you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. like it, it, it it's because of the you know. Well, ads. that was West Wing season one. That's the but, old tale. But, right? but still, on big network shows, there are large there are large staffs, but network shows are becoming less and less. Um, and and the orders are less and less, which yeah, is part and, of the economy. And streamers is the wild west. And there's a lot of auteur, you know, uh, filmmaker, writer, filmmaker, director, producer combos. You know, look at Barry. I mean, Bill Hader's doing like not most of the work. I mean, I was I was I was I was looking at, I was watching a show last night, catching up on some episodes, and there's like five, four or five co-producers that I'm sure. Well, are I wish he would delegate because this season is not good. He is. He, you know, it, it looks like his show really is, but not all are. So I, I from the producer side, I would look to the writers and say. Hey guys, it sounds like you got a problem, not us. Like, what do you want to do about White Lotus and Barry? You know, like you tell us. Like, we're supposed to dictate how many schmucks are supposed to be in a room uh, to make White Lotus funnier. But but hold on a second. Let, let let me bifurcate this a little bit. So Chap is unique because he has done and continues to do features and television. Okay. So the writers that I've talked to, it seems distinct to two camps. Most of the predominantly film guys, which admittedly are the smaller cohort by definition, uh, are like, what's this? What's all the fuss about? 
This doesn't all it's doing is cutting into my paycheck. I I'm already struggling to work. Why do I have to slow down for these, you know, quote, built Tesla driving billionaire showrunner rock star guys that that's their problem, right? There's a lot of that kind of upstairs, downstairs, uh, grumbling in the guild, um, chap, you know, uh, now that you've done both and continue to do both, do you see feature writers, you know, impacted by this conversation much anyway? Or is this tr just really about TV rooms, residuals, and the, the 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 sort of disruption of streaming to the TV model? Feature writers are impacted in the sense that they get residuals too, and that the distribution of movies often runs through streamers. Um, the the Writers Guild of America is a TV Writers Guild. To be perfectly honest, they could give a shit about the feature screenwriters who are members because uh, there just aren't. <laughs> There's not the numbers anymore. to justify yeah, I mean, it, right? So, so film writers really are these lone wolves anyway that happen to be in a guild, whereas the Writers Guild of America is specifically for First television. Of, I, don't, I mean, there's no, sort of I don't know anyone who writing. doesn't do both. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, Billy Ray, make, they all, everyone makes TV and movies. So I don't. There's very few men or women who are exclusive to features anymore. You know, the number of 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 people who are exclusively employed to write studio features is minuscule. Um, most members of the guild are TV writers and most members of the guild who like myself began in features now do TV. So it does impact all of us. I don't know how many pure play feature writers there are left. Um, this comes, there's two, there's two components to this is in my opinion. The first is that the way that television is manufactured dramatically changed. It requires, you know, they went to less orders, spread over longer periods of time, requiring less people. That is a fundamental change that cannot be reversed, right? There are still network dramas, and network dramas traditionally required a lot of people, and network comedies, because they had to make 22 or 23 or 24 episodes in nine months, and that just required a lot of people writing, and it required a lot of people who could, throwing the throwing money. Well, it just, you just took a lot of people to come up with yeah. that many stories, write them, go to set and produce them. You, it's the reason why writers became powerful in television because you just needed them. If you're making six episodes or eight episodes and it's going to take you 18 months to do that, those scripts are going to be written a year before you go into production. Right. And, and just to just to like give the, 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 the big picture. So in in the old TV model, the uh, networks and the studios that backed the shows were all uh, making money from a lot of episodes of a particular show, right? There was that magic number of, what was it, 65 episodes of a sitcom or a Law & Order or whatever. And so that was 22 times X amount of years. Now, streamers' business models are fundamentally different. They've said publicly, we don't want 65 episodes of anything. We sell well, subscriptions. We don't sell advertising. And our subscribers want fresh, new ideas every that's few what years. They said. That's what they said up till about 18 months ago. Uh, you are starting to see a larger demand for procedurals and streamers. You're starting to see a larger demand for longer orders. Those things have changed because it turns out people like to watch – a drama where the bad guy gets caught at the end of the hour and they like to see a bunch of them. Yeah. Blacklist. So, <laughs> that's just human nature. And it's one of the reasons why network TV worked for so long. What the second thing I was going to say is this, 
the same guys that were saying the people that are driving this are not from Hollywood. The people that are driving this are from the tech business. They do not come from what was kind of, you know, humorously referred to as the Hollywood community where people <laughs> might treat you badly or they might screw you over or they might do a lot of things. But there were certain ground rules and everyone kind of lived in the same everyone swam in the same pond. The people who are running Netflix or who are in charge of these streamers don't give a fuck. They don't. This is this part is my personal opinion, but I think it's I think it's based on 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 a real observation of the data. They are personally offended that they have to treat writers as partners. They think of us essentially as Amazon coders. They would like to treat us the way Amazon treats coders. They don't understand why they should have to pay us. They certainly don't understand why they should have to pay us once they buy the material from us. Because from their point of view, we're just some guy sitting in a cubicle churning shit out. And they've got thousands of those guys. And why the fuck should we be different? And I sincerely believe that combined with kind of late stage corporate capitalism where the CEO gets nine figures and we figure out how to fuck the guys who deliver the boxes out of their lunch hour, that that model married to a tech attitude of, you know, human beings being disposable drones unless you're the CEO, that's why we are where we're at, right? And that attitude more than anything, separate from any individual issue, whether that issue is, yes, absolutely writer's rooms. Um, and yes, they are going to require, they're proposing to require Mike White hire people even if he doesn't use them. They're setting a floor, and I thought that that was a dumb idea until I understood their reasoning. And their reasoning is if we don't, build a floor now, even of people who aren't needed, that within three to five years, there won't be anyone. So it's going to be a union no-show job. It's just like Chicago. No-show jobs. It's like the old days. The number of guys who write their own shows exclusively is very small. Almost all shows, you know, I don't know what the percentage would be. Let's say 95% of shows are still written by a room, even if it's smaller. There's Mike White. There's a, there's a handful of guys that do that. There aren't a lot of them. Chap, I think you're using too too big of a brush here. I, I, you know, I would, you know, I think that the streamers, like in a lot of ways, this is really the streamers' first uh, strike, so they're they're learning on the job. Um, you know, there's kind of a dystopian argument, and I'm not, and, I, and I'm not saying I'm making this argument, but you know what that you know maybe they should just staff writers year round at Netflix you know, pay everybody 350 grand like they would a top notch, uh, you know, uh, a like software engineer or something, you know, and then, and then, and then, and then, you know, give and them, and then just give them stuff to yeah, write. Yeah, like, yeah. And give them P, you know, pay the WGA, the P and H on that. But right. I, and I'm not advocating that, but I'm, but, but I, under, I understand where you're going with, with, with where Netflix and the tech companies are coming from. But, you know, what I've been, what I've been doing the last week or, you know, two weeks is try, is trying to read the trades, you know, really closely and look for the clues and the tea leaves and one of the tea leaves that I read is the room. The rumor mill is saying that the big uh, four or five traditional studios, Warner Brothers, Sony, you know, Disney, um, who am I forgetting? Uh, uh, well, Fox is gone. They're they're kind of so they're starting to gang gang up a bit on the streamers, which is really just. Um, uh, Netflix and Amazon because Hulu is pretty much owned by big studios, and they're saying, "Look, guys, we're, like, we're going to outvote you. You know, you got to, you got to, you know, you're in a committee with like seven people. There's seven. Let's say there's seven representatives, 
you know, each representing one of the major parties on the, on the producer side, the majority of those are film studios. And they're looking around the room going, hey, Netflix, shut the fuck up. I know you just got out of college and you think you know what you know everything you're talking about, but we've been here for like a hundred years, like legitimately. So why don't you like sit in the corner? We're gonna slide rule away. We're gonna outvote you. (laughs) We're gonna here's our algorithm, here's our formulas. If you don't like it, tough shit, this is what we're going back with, right? Because they have to exert their power to get the deal done. Well, Netflix you know, not like it. Yeah. But I don't know if they, I don't know if they have this, you know, UN security council, single veto power, you know, that, that's all that stuff's a little murky. But again, what I'm hearing is that the big studios uh, are, are now trying to muscle the streamers into getting a deal done before the DGA go in to negotiate because the DGA are going to be like, fuck you, we're striking. And then when that happens, forget it, everybody, let's, we're all going to home Depot. So, you know, to look for work. So that's a, so that, that, that's the word on the street. It's encouraging. It's promising. I, I haven't heard that, but let me, let me ask you guys a larger, I mean, I hate that we keep going in and out, but I feel like as writers, as storytellers, you know, the, the writers, the small writers guild that affects what chap, uh, I've heard anywhere from 11,500 to 20,000 members of the WGA. Right. So, uh, it affects these many people and then it affects these many people and the crews and the cast and the whatever. And then it, you know, it resonates out to the lunch trucks and the diners and the coffee guys and all the like surrounding LA people, such and so, but it, here's a question I wanted to ask that chap kind of touched on and something we touched on before we're in a disruptive moment here And the interesting thing is there used to be more humanity in this business. And I know that I know chap is already laughing, but um, just in the sense that like you kind of knew you'd deal with this guy again someday. So you didn't want to quite scorched earth every deal. And I feel like over the last 10 years, I don't know if it's the tech people coming in. I don't know if it's a larger sort of like uh, cruelty matrix that's raised in our culture or whatever, but what is that about and is it ever going to go back i mean is this are we just are we fighting like a constant war that it's just always going to be this is there ever going to be some sort of like parody where everyone's happy like evan you seem to hold the 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 truth that despite their tough talk they actually don't want to strike and yet i hear a lot of writers saying this is a calculated thing they forced it and they've been planning it for years I, I, I mean, look, I mean, I, I can't speak to conspiracy theories, but, you know, yesterday they canceled all, all overall deals at pretty much every studio. Which is the force majeure moment. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, yeah. like, so that's that, that that's a good move. So that move indicates on the, a long freeze. Then, well, that's right? a good that, move that. on the chessboard for the studios, right? Because they're saving a lot of money. And then, you know, today, Tony Gilroy is like, I'm not doing producing services in Andor because – I'm not going to cross the picket lines. Because like, writing, what did he say? Everything I do is writing on some level. I can't quote Tony, but like the, uh, the, the like all what I got from the article was fuck you guys. I'm like I'm not I'm not crossing the picket same, line. Same with uh, uh, the Duffer Brothers. Yeah, like I'm not going to listen to like music tracks and like mixes and color correction. Like fuck that, right. you know. And Give like notes on wardrobe, that's, whatever. Like, that's the that's, that's the right thing to say, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know your question was really was pointed at chat, but I would say that I think that the, the, the disruption moment has already happened and we're kind of in the ripple effects of it personally. You know, it's like, okay, 
the industry is the industry has changed. The streamers, the streamers are here. They're not going anywhere. And now, like I said earlier, this is their first kind of running with the writers, and they're like, "Oh shit, we got to deal the with creative these guys. community yeah. as, yeah, as like, like a I, weird. We're not behaving like factory workers. We have our we're yeah, you know, like it's guy. um, it's it's a it's it's a challenging one. Have they been planning it for years? I I, I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Pelicano is he in jail? Ask him. He knows everything, you know. So, chap, you know that guy, right? You guys. <laughs> No? He's out of jail. We have the we have the Pelicano bot. Uh, hold on, we'll ask it a question. <laughs> Sorry, chap. Please, uh, uh, I don't know. What do you, What do you think, chap? I mean, you you you're you're known as a as a master pitcher. You go in, you 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 romance. The I'm known buyers. as a master like, something. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> do you feel that? I mean. I feel like we, we came in, it, it, it's kind of like the opening line of the Sopranos, right? You know, he goes, yeah, I'm in charge of my own crew, but I feel like I missed the best days of it. And, and when I came into this business, I felt like we saw a, a, a last glow of the old ways. And this, it was a smaller business. It was a smaller town. It was, uh, I don't know just more of a community. Now it just feels much more like a dot com experience. Like come in, give us your shit and get out like a freelance gig thing. You know, the whole world has gotten crueler. Yeah. And maybe this, you know, in a, in a way, maybe that does address what's going on because one thing that did not happen in 2007 is immediately when we went to strike, IATSE was very angry at us as the writers guild because all of the below the line crew members who work for a living, uh, were unemployed. And they're very angry. And it happened. You know, we went on strike later in the year. It was almost Christmas time. And there was, you know, holidays, Hanukkah, and people were really upset about not having jobs as the holidays approached. That's not the case this time. And it isn't just because of when it occurs in the calendar. There is a sense in the air, in the larger cultural awareness of people, and certainly economic awareness of people, whether they're a key grip or whether they're a director, or whether they're a sound mixer, or whether they're a teamster, that corporations are bad for the world. And they are in particular bad for jobs and for working people trying to create middle-class lives. And there seems to be a unspoken or sometimes spoken agreement that this is going to be a place where we, where we hold the line. Now, do I... I don't know any, I can't address any of the conspiracy theories. I don't know. I hope Evan's right. That would be wonderful. I've heard many different things. I believe that the Directors Guild is already beginning or about to begin conversations. Traditionally, in Hollywood labor relationships, the Writers Guild is very aggressive and the Directors Guild quietly negotiates and they make a deal. Some people characterize that as fucking us. Directors Guild characterizes that as taking care of their own members. Um, well, they're much smaller too. I mean, let's, no, yeah, necessarily. So. SAG certainly SAG is hundreds of thousands of people. There is, I think, what people also recognize is this: this is a moment when things have aligned. When if the guilds stick together, and I don't know that they will, uh, there is enough leverage to make an impact. The Writers Guild by itself, God bless them, does not have a lot of chance in standing up to the richest corporations in human history, but. 
if the directors go on strike, it shuts everything down immediately. And if the actors go on strike on top of that, Hollywood ends until the strike is over. They, and, and by the way, they will. Like, so, like, so from a purely... Uh, pure, uh, then, we're, then we have a chance. If I, I, I know, and I, I believe that, because I believe that... It, so as you, as you may or may not know, traditionally the directors negotiate first. They punted and said, hey, writers, why don't you guys and gals jump on it first? Because you guys seem really riled up. We're going to wait. That they couldn't make that the reason they did that is they simply could not get the studios to respond to them. Yes, that they went in asking for an increase in, in residuals, and the studios told them to go pound sand. And they and they also know that the writers um, are uh, that they can grind your coattails and take whatever algorithm or formula you all hopefully get to the bottom with this with the with, with the studios with. And then say, yeah, we're going to take that plus 10, which is usually kind of. Well, we took, it was in 2007, as you know, it was the other way around. We were on strike. They made a deal and we basically adopted their deal. And that is what some people believe will happen this time. I don't pretend to have any knowledge of what will or will not happen. I don't think that the people in the room necessarily know what's going to happen. I do think it's reasonable to believe this. If the other guilds stick with us and the DGA has their own specific issues they're more invested in residuals sag has its own issues sag is probably more aligned with the writers because they're also afraid of being replaced with ai but fundamentally all of the guilds together are powerful enough to make an impact on the stock price of these corporations which is the only way we get a better deal because they may be correct in saying that they have so much content built up and they can get they can buy Korean shows or whatever their plan is and make it last until we break. Maybe, maybe they can do that. Maybe they're right. If suddenly the spigot turns off completely because the director stopped directing and the actor stopped acting, then they have a problem because an entertainment company must on some level make entertainment. No, I, I, I absolutely. And I think if, if all the unions stick together, the biggest the, the, the biggest streamer, who's also the loudest, most uh, most problematic, which is Netflix, which, by the way, does not sell products on another website or make spaceships like, like Amazon, they are going to come to a full dead stop. And then when the other big film studios are have been in their ear for a couple of weeks saying, hey, we're telling you, if, if, it, if, 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 if the unions come together and take us to DEF CON, what is it, nine or one? I don't know which one. One, one is one. If, if, you, if, if, if we go to the DEF CONs, you, Netflix, are going to lose out the most because the Jeff Bezos team could just sell more, you know, deodorant. And we're still making movies. And people, and by the way, Marilyn Brothers just kicked ass in, the, you know, in theaters. We're going to be okay longer than Netflix you were going to be. So you need to stop um, saying no, 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 and start saying yes, yes, yes. and that's when the deal I think will happen. We should make clear that that for, for your for the listeners, the room, the general rumor believed by many people is that Netflix is the most aggressive of the companies negotiating. I don't know that that's true. It makes sense because that seems to accord with their general philosophy of life. And their public statements and their well, their public statements are: we love the writers, and we hope we can all make. No, a deal. no, I mean previous to this and oh. everything. And every yeah, they're other all way. you know. Yeah. Amazon and Apple are both. No, no one can really understand why they're even in this business, and they have all the money <laughs> in the world, so they can you know. Other than the people at Apple are sensitive to their reputations. I don't know what Amazon's pressure point is, or if they even have one. Evan is yeah, they don't. <laughs> Evan is correct in that Netflix, while an enormous company that buys an enormous amount of product 
doesn't do anything else. They don't sell you know, t-shirts or toothbrushes. And they it's don't not sell a division phones. of a larger company. Yeah, right. they, they do need entertainment. They and yeah. then obviously, you know, Paramount in particular, but some of the legacy studios are vulnerable in an extended work stoppage. If all of those movies they think that they're going to shoot because the scripts are written suddenly are not going to be shot because there's no directors or actors, and you're already seeing, and I don't know, I don't know if this is going to last or not. This could be the first... You know, it's the first week of the war and we're all marching off at the front and everyone's very excited until somebody starts getting blown up. But actors are not crossing lines. Like, you know, they had to shut down production on... On uh, loot. They, there was a number a strike, of movies I, because... I may uh, or may not know someone on a strike team that just like zips into secret productions and Maya shows Rudolph up. would not go to the set of her show because she's Correct. married to a writer-director. She didn't wa- cross it. You know, she doesn't want to wear that sign. So will that be true if we're still at strike in 90 days? I don't know. I, I, so I just came off a show a week ago Sunday. I would say the rank and file, the people who were on set, there was about 150 people. The IATSE folks had no clue about what was going on with the strike. They weren't informed by their union. They weren't. They didn't know anything. They asked me what I thought. Oh, what about the strike? I hear you talking about a strike. I hear you guys talking about a strike. I disagree with you, chap. I, I don't think IATSE, the leadership is probably supportive, and I think that's great. But I think the rank and file, the people who work every day, were not prepared for this. And I feel bad for those folks. It's terrible because I just don't think that they were ready. I think a lot of folks are younger folks who work in those positions. Yeah, they signed and, leases for 12 months and now they're and, fucked. And, yeah. and, and it wasn't until the night of the strike that IATSE actually sent out you know, emails saying, this is what's happening. And I just, I, I, I hope they stay together because I do believe that's the way that a good, because I think overall it's a good thing for everybody if they can stick together. But there are young folks, middle, there are a lot of folks who work in the ground, on the ground level, not in the creative, but creative in their own way, who are going to get kicked in the head on this one. And they just weren't ready for it. They're, I don't think any of them were ready. I 100% sympathize with every single one of them. If they didn't know it was coming, that's a critical failure of their leadership to tell them because everybody else knew. Agreed. And I can tell you that at least some of them are calling in tips to the Writers Guild about where production is being held. Absolutely. absolutely. That's exactly what's happening. First call call I got was from Teamsters that said who, because I was getting reached out to of of studio movies who were saying, how do we move trucks without Teamsters? And I was like, <laughs> good luck. You, know, you buy a Kevlar vest? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I knew this thing was serious when Teamsters were telling me we're not crossing the picket lines. And that literally like was one of the first calls. And when the Teamsters are behind you, I mean, ask, ask, ask Jimmy Hoffa, baby. There you go. You'll disappear. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is, is the one thing that I guarantee unites everyone. Every single person I've talked to has a huge crush on the lady who is the head of the Teamsters Hollywood local. Yes, that is absolutely right. That's, that's, that's yeah. absolutely yeah. correct. Men, women, and children love <laughs> these dems and those. Yeah, um, she's the best. Three nine nine, baby. Um, okay, so uh, in conclusion, we're talking months, not weeks. It sounds like I don't hear any sort of well, like. Evan thinks. I, I say I, I think the uh, the other unions have to join in on the strike, and then it'll be a ninety day sprint to the finish line. That's my prediction. Chap, prediction. Is it Gulf War One or Gulf War Two? Go. <laughs> 30 seconds or less. I don't make predictions. I will say this. It will all hinge on what the Director's Guild does. Wow. Fair. Fair, Fair enough. All right. Alex Collegian, right. my co-host. I'm scared. Chap. What do I do now? Chap, 
Thanks for joining us this week on the roundtable. Evan, as always, you curmudgeon. We appreciate you being the foil. Yep, that's I play it well. No. No, this was a good this was a lively talk, guys. Thank you for We'd doing love to it. do it and, again. Uh, we wish it was a sunnier subject about like Marvel versus DC, but this is real life and this is our time to do it. So uh Godspeed out there. I hope it uh I hope smarter, cooler heads prevail. Well, that was a lively discussion. I continue to be more informed and less optimistic. Yeah, these guys are pretty gray. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, the fun, 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 times. fun, happy time Chap, hour. Chap Taylor um, and Evan Ostrowski. Look, these guys have been in the business a long time. They both remember 07. You and I uh, remember 07. Uh, this too shall pass, but I'll be interested to see maybe what the long-term repercussions are. Whether it lasts a week or it lasts six months, our business will be irrevocably changed after. Hopefully for the better. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Please continue the conversation on Twitter at how I got greenlit on Instagram at how I got greenlit on Gmail at how I got greenlit. Uh, and we appreciate your question, comments, rants, raves, recipes for various incendiary devices. Keep them coming for us. I'm Alex Collegian. I'm Ryan Gibson. And we are How I Got Greenlit. <laughs> I got greenlit, folks. Thanks. Next Chapter Podcasts.